honest people, that we could do a lot better in the area of prayer. Um, prayer is the most basic and fundamental part of our walk with God. It's something that that everyone understands is 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 part of the life of a Christian. Uh, Martin Luther said that 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 trying to be a Christian without praying is like trying to be a human without breathing. That it's impossible. That you that it, it walks hand in hand. Uh, I know as as being a minister that anytime you're somewhere and someone needs to pray over the food or something, they always look to whoever the most spiritual looking or entitled person is in the room. So would you mind to pray over whatever it is? And, uh, and, and as Christians, sometimes you may be in a, in a setting of, of people that are uh, maybe don't go to church. Maybe you're at a, some people at a family reunion and uh, they'll look to you because they know you're a Christian and they know that you pray or they believe that you pray because you are a Christian. It, it's just, they walk hand in hand. And so many times, though, that there's a there's the stigma and a reputation that comes with prayer, that it is, uh, some would say, boring. And uh, some would even go as far as to say a waste of time. And any time that we would hear that, that we would say, somebody would say that that's what prayer is to them, it, we, we would be taken aback because we understand the importance and the power of prayer and what prayer can do and how it can affect our lives. But many times, many times, if we would take a look at what we really feel about prayer and examine it according to our actions instead of our programmed response to those words, it would look as if we feel the same way. Let me say that again. If we would, if we would take a look at ourselves and the way that we feel about prayer, according to our actions when it comes to prayer and not our programmed response whenever people say boring and waste of time, it would look more like maybe we believe those things as well instead of understanding and believing the power and the authority that comes with it. And, and I, I'm, I'm not saying just like, I'm, talk, I'm talking about Christians as a whole. I'm not even talking about just the United Pentecostal Church or the Pentecostal movement, apostolic movement. Christians as a whole in today's society do not live the life of prayer that we hear about in the past generations. And again, the, I, wish, I wish right now that there was a mirror that was propped up right here. There's one in the ladies' restroom. Could somebody run and grab? I'm just kidding. That was right there for me to preach to myself tonight. Brother Ron, just sit down. Somebody, somebody control him, please, back there. We are commanded in the Word of God to pray without ceasing, to live a life of prayer consistently all the time. And, and as, as a young man, some would say that I'm still a young man. I'm looking at you, Brother Harpole. That, yes, sir, that... But as, as a, a child, a teenager growing up, I would, I would hear this scripture preached and I would read this, pray without ceasing. And I'm thinking, how does anybody get anything done? You know, that, that we're just consistently having to pray. You can't hold a job. You can't go to school. You can't do nothing. But in all things, in all things that we do in our life, it should be in prayer. And it should be uh, with us going to God and saying, Lord, how should I handle this situation? How should I do this? And if you're not going through anything, finding 
finding yourself at times just, just praying to God, thanking Him, worshiping His name, praising Him, lifting Him up. At all times, we should be praying without ceasing. At all times, lifting up the name of Jesus, bringing needs before Him. Not only just needs for ourselves, but needs of others and of the church and, and, and of the work and of the kingdom. All the time, pray without ceasing. And many, many pray this way. I believe that. I believe that there are many people, many people, even in this room, that live their life this way, that go through life praying, and go through life praying without ceasing, and consistently and constantly in, in, a, in a place of prayer. But many only pray whenever they need something. Amen? There's, there's people like that. And, and if I'm not careful, and if I, it, prayer, prayer's hard. Prayer is hard. Prayer is something that you have to make yourself do. It's like fasting, right? I would fast except I get so hungry. It, I, I just can't do it. Just kidding. Fasting is difficult. Prayer is difficult. Anything that denies the flesh is difficult. Anything that takes away from, from our fleshly desires and, and turns to the spiritual realm gets very difficult to do and prayer has to be intentional we have to be intentional about prayer there's a uh, a, a person I, and I would say the name but I can't pronounce it uh, but we'll, we'll say someone once said that is prayer ask the question is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire is it your steering wheel or is it your spare tire prayer can be the driving force that guides your life and, and everything that you do that directs you that, that, that points you in the right direction and takes you where God wants you to go or it can be the thing that you rely on in a time of need prayer can be the thing that, that gets you going in the morning that, that keeps you going during the day and that, that points you in the right direction on God's track or it can just be the thing that sits in a place that nobody sees until the moment that you need it, and then you're like, oh man, I better get that out, and I better get going on this. I hope, I hope it still has air. I hope it still works. I hope it's still there. Amen? People will steal those things, believe it or not. Your spare tire, not necessarily your prayer. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I heard some time ago, Brother uh, Daryl Johns, uh, he preached a message or actually, it was, a, it was a lesson that he taught to young ministers, and and he said uh, he, he said that he he believes in in uh, in the idea of this and that, and and I I've, I've gotten to where, and this was this was the the main focus of his of his lesson is that in all areas, in most all areas of life, you can have this and that, and and what, what, one of the things, and it was young ministers and youth ministers that he was speaking to, and he was talking about like in your youth rooms and in your youth services that you know people want you know youth pastors want lights and and you know smoke and the loud music and different things and all the decor and stuff, and uh, and some people will say, well, you can't have that because um, you got to have the spirit. And those things drive out the spirit. And and others will say, you know, well, you, you've got to have that so you can have the spirit and go back and forth. And uh, so some people will be all lights, no spirit. Some people will be all spirit, no lights. He said, but you can have this and that. 
that if you are if you direct yourself the right way and and you pray and you're anointed and you're Holy Ghost filled that that you could have all of those things and still have the Spirit of God in the place and that's just one example that he used and and I found that you can really kind of use this principle of this and that in most all areas of your life and uh, I I believe that in prayer that you can and I'm I'm not trying to go against this person here that I can't pronounce their name. On, on asking is, is if, if prayer is your steering wheel or your spare tire. But I think that at times it can be both. That we'll find ourselves in life where, where we are guided by prayer. That we are living our day each and every day or we are living our life uh, praying to God. That we are asking for direction. We are starting our day in prayer. That's so important to start your day in prayer. Uh, something again that I need to work on. I like to sleep. Anybody else like to sleep? Amen. Anybody else wake up 30 minutes before you need to be somewhere? You got a 15-minute drive? No? Only me? Okay. I need to work on some things in my life. Uh, I like to sleep, so a lot of times I sleep through what should be my prayer time. And and uh, I, I'm convicted over that, and I'm working on that, and it's something that, that I've, I've worked on for a very long time, and I'm still working on. Amen. We're just being transparent here tonight. Um we, we've, we've got to have that, that leading, that directing, that guiding in prayer in our life. But at the same time, prayer can be both. Prayer can be the driving force. Prayer can be the thing that guides you. It can be the steering wheel of your life, leading and directing you and guiding you. But whenever something big comes along, something bad happens, you get the report from the doctor. Whenever you get a call from a family member, whenever someone from the church calls and says, there's a problem in our life. Something major just happened. Now there's been a catastrophe. And we've got to go to God in prayer and say, Lord, I, I've, I've been using you to direct my path and to help me go. But right now I'm stuck on the side of the road. And I, I can't move any further. And I need your help. And he will be that spare tire in your life. I believe that we can have this and that. That God in prayer can serve both functions. That he can be there. He will be there in our time of need. But we must use him each and every day to direct our path, to lead us, to get us going in the right direction. The other, uh, the other day, it was about a week or so ago, I was, I was driving down the road and uh, we had been out to a dear friend of ours' house and he was helping us uh, replace the steering in pastor's boat. And uh, I don't even know, Brother Bob, if you know that this happened, but we uh, we were on our way home, and, and Pastor had little Zeke, and uh, his truck is a single-cab truck, and we didn't want to all be on top of each other. So he, I drove the truck with the trailer and the boat, and Pastor followed with the van and had Zeke in there. And uh, we were on our way home. We were excited. The, uh, the steering was fixed, and... Um, Brother Keith was going to get to enjoy the fruit of our labor the next day out on the water with Pastor, and we were all they were all excited about that. And uh, we um, were driving down the road, and all of a sudden, I had this uh, this feeling like I, I've I've pulled trailers quite a bit in my life, and uh, but all of a sudden there was this noise, which I was eating something at the time. Go figure. And uh, but there was this noise, and then. Uh, it felt like the trailer had left, like it didn't exist anymore. And I was like, something's wrong. <laughs> I looked in the rearview mirror, and it was like doing this number behind me. 
And uh, I realized from the flying debris behind me that it had blown a tire, the trailer had. And uh, I, it was, it's my first, I've, I've been through a lot of different things in my life. It's my first blowout, and I'm pulling my pastor's boat. And uh, I'm, I'm terrified. Man, I, I check my mirrors. I start getting over real safely. I get to the side of the road, and pastor had a good spare for his boat, and we got it put on, and I mean, just minutes, you know, and pastor, he's good at, dude can do anything, I found out last night that he uh, did bees at one time, he had beehives and stuff, that's crazy, he, he just does everything, so he gets out, and like a man on a mission, he gets out, he changes the spare tire, and just in minutes, we're back on the road. And whenever I saw this this statement, this uh, is is prayer, is it your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? That that thought came back to me, and that that moment that I had with, uh, with with this with this truck and trailer and the blowout. And I'm so thankful that I had both things going for me, that I safely had my hands on the wheel. All right, well, at least one. I think an apple pie was in the other. I had a hand on the wheel to safely move me to the side of the road. And then once I got there, there was a there was a spare tire that was attached to the trailer that we could put onto the trailer and continue moving safely down the road. That both things were there and working properly to make sure that nothing bad happened and that we kept moving in the right direction. That both the steering wheel didn't come off in my hand at the moment that there was a blowout. How awful would that be? We would own Ford Motor Company. That whenever we got moved to the side of the road, the spare tire was there. That, that, that both of these things worked in conjunction to keep us safely moving in the right direction in the place that we were trying to get to. Prayer, it can be a gauge to measure our, our relationship with God. Just like um, communication between family members can help us gauge our relationship with our family or our spouse. Our, our relationship with God a lot of times can be measured by the amount of communication that we have with Him and the type of communication that we have with Him. If I talk to my wife all the time but we're yelling and screaming and fussing at each other, people are like, that's not a great marriage. Most people need counseling. They need to talk to Bishop Elder here about maybe fixing their marriage. If if we see family members that are always bickering and fighting and arguing with one another, we understand there's a problem in that household, in that family, in the way that they talk to each other. If if we never talk, if me and my wife, if we never discussed anything with one another, if we never talked, if we came to church all the time and you didn't see us ever say a word to each other and she was off doing something, I was off doing something and, and we never talked, we got home, we rode silent in the car the whole way home, we got home, we just did our own thing and never talked to one another, that would be a bad relationship that we had with one another. And the same goes with God. He's with us all the time. But if we are never conversing with Him, if we are never in communication with Him, if we are never in communion with Him, then it is a gauge of really where our relationship stands with God. Prayer, that communication 
that conversation that we have with God is a good gauge of where we are spiritually. How we talk to God, when we talk to God, and how frequently we talk to God. Prayer is first and foremost is conversation with God. It, it's, it's a conversation. It, it's a two-lane street. It's, it, it, we talk to God and God talks back to us. It, it's, it's one of the most important conversations that we'll have. It's one of the most important communications that we will ever have in our life. It's, it's the basis and the design from the beginning of time. In the beginning, God creates man. He creates Adam. And the first thing that we see is that, that he immediately begins to have communication with Adam. That He begins to communicate with him. He begins to talk with him. He, he uses Adam to name the animals. And they conversate about this. They talk about this. And, and, and he talked with him in the cool of the day. There was conversation. There was communion. There was talk. There was, there was a relationship that was built immediately between man and and God it's the design that God created for man it's the design that, that, that he put into place and, and what God wants out of people and his creation until the day that sin, sin entered into Adam's life and caused a separation between man and God and broke the line of communication between the two and when Adam the day came when Adam heard the voice of God Instead of responding to him, Adam hid from his creator. Adam hid from the one that he talked with every day. From the one that he had communication with, that he first spoke with, his first love. Adam had a break in communication, a separation between him and God because of the sin that entered into his life. Again, I say that we can find out a lot of things about our prayer life and one of those is to gauge where we are spiritually with what our prayer life looks like. That whenever Adam did not have sin in his life, there was no condemnation there. He had no reason to hide, no reason to run. There was an open line of communication, but the moment that sin entered into his life, Whenever God would beckon for his creation and would want to speak with him, we found Adam hiding from the voice of God and from the communion with God and the communication that he had with God and his relationship with God rather than letting it grow and continuing speaking with him. Sometimes this communication is hindered by the noises of the world that's all around us. Sometimes it's hindered by the distractions that are present in our life. Sometimes we put things in our life that take the place of prayer and don't even realize it. Again, I'm guilty of this. You guys are going to kick me out of here by the time I get done tonight. There's times that, that I will be doing things and, and maybe it's watching a show or or. or binging on YouTube or something and watching fishing or you know some kind of what, what's the thing called the bass fishing competition thing that they do major league fishing yes sir alright so maybe it's that maybe that's what I'm watching and, 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 and time will go by and then I'll realize that's an hour that I could have been in prayer how, how much have I prayed today 
but I can spend time doing this. Our, our communication is hindered by the things, the noises of the world, and the distractions that are present around us, even things that we place into our life. Sometimes uh, we, we, we find this place where, where we want to talk with God, where we want and we long for that communication, but our addiction to the things of this world keep us from being where we even want to be with God. A clear line of communication with God is a, is a key to our spiritual success in the kingdom. It's a key to our spiritual success in the kingdom. First, we have to declare a, a time and a place of prayer. A time and a place of prayer. I heard Brother Shock say one time, and, and I believe everything that comes out of his mouth because it's incredible. Sometimes, it, never mind. It's incredible what he has to say. But he said, if you don't have a place and a time that you pray every day, that he would argue whether you have a prayer life or not. He said that early in his ministry that he developed a time and a place that he would go and pray. Whenever people come to him and ask, "How is there something that you can do to help me in my ministry? He, the, one of the first things that he asks them is where and when do you pray? And if they can't give a time and a location, he said that's what you need to fix first. Set an appointment with God as if you would a doctor. Don't break it. Turn off the things around you. Go to that place and that time and pray. Now I know that that's, that sounds maybe even daunting at times that we have so much going on in our life that's around us, that's happening, that, that, that it, it would be hard for us to say, all right, at this time every day, because you never know exactly what's going to be happening at that time each and every day, that, that, that life is just like that sometimes. But if we're honest with ourselves, there's a moment in the day that we know, whether it, it could be at 9 o'clock at night, you've made it home, you've eaten supper, and it's time for you to sit down and watch Hulu or Netflix or something. Maybe that's your time. Maybe that's your time that you could say, God, I'm going to spend this moment. I'm going to go to that chair in my living room. I'm going to kneel down, and I'm going to pray for 15 minutes, for 20 minutes, for 30 minutes. Every day, that's going to be my time of meeting with you and develop that prayer life, that, that time and that place that you have communication and that you commune with God. I experienced a few times and I heard, I've, I've heard stories of traditional family settings. And like I said, I've, I've, I've experienced, this, experienced this a few times in my life. We didn't always do this. But whenever you hear stories of the traditional family setting, uh, there, there's a time and a place that the kids would know and the family would know this is whenever we're going to eat supper, right? Did anybody live like that? All right. Amen. That's awesome. You knew where the supper table was. You knew what time that you needed to be there. And you also knew where dad was going to sit, right? He had his spot. Amen. And the family would come around the table and they would eat a meal that was prepared by their mother, paid for by their dad. And the family, while they were eating, would talk. They would have conversations. They would talk about problems that needed to be resolved. 
weaknesses would be revealed at times. Encouragement would be given. And sometimes the law would be laid down around the dinner table. But you would leave from that table, that moment that you had with the family, with the father at the head of the table. You knew what time to be there. You knew where the place was. Maybe you're... Maybe the whole thing was whenever the street lights started coming on. You knew it's time to get home or else I'm going to be in trouble. And you would get there and you would sit down at the table and you'd begin to have this conversation. All these things would happen. And at the end of this setting, you would leave the table with some clear instruction. Maybe of this weekend, this Saturday, what's going to be cleaned up around the house. The gutters are going to be done and and the, uh, the garage is going to be cleaned out. And, and uh, tomorrow you're going to do better on that, that test than you did yesterday or else you're grounded. You would have clear instruction of things that were going on. You would have a better understanding of the topic of whatever the conversation was because there was a clear-cut line of communication, a time and a place where you went and you sat down with the family and you had conversation together, talking, hearing, listening, being a part of that that moment together. This is the same with God and prayer, that when we set this time and this place to meet with Him every day, that we come together, we have conversation. Sometimes there's reproof. Sometimes there's encouragement. Sometimes we have to take a need before the Father and say, I really need this thing right now. But at the end of the day, we leave with a better understanding of the things that we're going through and what needs to be done and where we need to go and what needs to happen. There's a peace sometimes that that the problem is not over. Maybe maybe the kid is sitting at the table and he's got a problem at school. There's a bully and, and he breaks down and he tells his dad about it and his, his dad doesn't really fix the, the situation. He gives him some advice. He doesn't fix it, but he can leave the table with the peace knowing that I've, I've shared this with my father and he knows what's going on and he's not going to let me go down on my own. He's not going to let me die in this situation. He's going to help me and bring me through it. It's, it's the same thing in prayer. I, I've often said that I don't, I, I can't explain how it works. I can't bring a whiteboard in here and, and, and draw a diagram and, and show you how it works. But so many times I'm going through some things and I'll find a place of prayer And at the end of it, the problem is still there. The situation that I'm going through still exists. But I get up with a peace, knowing that I've handed it to God, that I've handed it to my Father, that I've discussed it with Him. And that I know that He's going to take care of it. He's going to help me through that situation. The, the, the problems are not necessarily going to just disappear. It's, it's, it's not a magic trick. But it is for real. That there's an all-knowing God that hears your cry, hears your prayer, and answers for what you need. As a church and as a people of God, that we must understand the importance of prayer. That we must allow our, our understanding of its importance to be evident in our actions and participation in it. That we don't just say we are a church of prayer. That I am a people of prayer. That we are a family of prayer but that it's evident in our actions and what we do and how we participate in it. 
The only way that we will see the revival that God has intended for us is if we are a church, a body, a people of prayer. We must have the word. The word has to be deep within us. There must be fasting that's attached to it. But we have got to be a people of prayer. We have got to be a people of prayer. The Bible tells us that if we want to see the miraculous, that it comes but by prayer and fasting. Matthew 17 and 20, he said unto them, Because of your little faith, for truly I say unto you, if you have the faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you but but by prayer and fasting. Faith needs a life of prayer and fasting for its full growth. That we are all given a measure of faith, an equal measure of faith. We are all given, that's in scripture, we are all given a measure of faith. But how do some people have more faith than others? How do some people believe that that, that miracles can happen while others still just have just a little bit of faith. And I believe it's through their prayer. I believe it's through their prayer. That prayer is only done by those with, with this measure of faith. That this measure of faith allows us to, to believe that we can pray and that God will answer. But Jesus teaches that the only way to grow your faith is through prayer. And as we pray and connect to the throne room of God, our faith will continue to grow. That that faith is the planted seed, the mustard seed. That faith is the planted seed and that prayer is the water that gives it the nourishment to grow each and every day. Many do not understand the necessity for prayer, but Jesus is pretty plain when he states that those powerful in faith are powerful in prayer. That as you look through his life and through parables and, and, and you begin to understand his teachings, that those who are powerful in faith are powerful in prayer. I know that, that prayer is important. I understand that. And, and my greatest sign for knowing that prayer is important doesn't come from the Word of God. It doesn't come from the red-letter scriptures. It doesn't come from anything that's been preached or, 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 or taught in my life. I know that prayer is important because every time I get down to pray, the enemy distracts me with everything he can. Is it, am I the only one? Can I get some amens? That he tries to keep me from doing it, but the moment that I decide I'm going to get down and I'm going to pray, boy, here come the distractions. Here come the thoughts and the things to try to keep my mind off of what I'm praying about. I would say to anybody some practical instruction here is take a notepad to prayer with you. Sometimes God gives you really good things, thoughts, and speaks to you in this communication where you're talking to God and God's talking to you and you can jot those things down. But I think more importantly, sometimes we can allow the enemy to prepare our to-do list for the day or the week. Take your notepad with you. And as you're praying and they say, the enemy starts talking to you, you know, you could be doing this or you could be doing that or, you know, you really got this deadline coming up and, oh, you forgot to just jot those things down. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Put that on my to-do list here. And then continue to pray. Allow the, allow the enemy to 
create that to-do list for you, that thing that you need to take care of. Put it on the back burner and continue in prayer. There's a couple types of prayer that, that we have in our life. And the first is our personal prayer. Our personal prayer. It's uh, instruction in Matthew is when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't, uh, don't be those who go out in the synagogues and in the streets and, 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 and pray and for everyone to see. And the Bible even says that they have received their reward. I mean, it, it leads me to believe that their prayers are not even being answered. That they have received whatever they're going to receive by people seeing them pray. We should have a personal prayer time. We should have a time in our life that we pray. We've talked about this. We should have this personal prayer time, a place of prayer. I've heard of people explaining what their prayer rooms in their houses look like, that they will take rooms and closets in their house and devote it strictly to prayer. I heard somebody say one time that they have a, a sheepskin rug in a room that they have devoted to prayer with prayer charts on the wall and maps and pictures of missionaries, that a room devoted in their house to prayer. It's amazing. A minister friend of mine has altars that he's built that are in rooms in his house, and he kneels down at those altars, and he prays. My wife, Danielle, discovered one time uh, in her youth group, she was uh, going through, uh, I think she, her youth pastor had asked her to go grab something out of, out of their room, and she saw in his closet his place of prayer. There was a chair set up, and, and there was uh, sheets of paper on the wall with a list of names and her name written on the paper on the wall, his, his place of prayer. It's important that we have that in our life. Having a personal, private prayer life is so very important. We see this by example with Jesus whenever he says that he's going to the mountain to pray. He goes into the wilderness for prayer and fasting. He separates himself from the world, everyone else around him, and he goes and he finds a personal, private place of prayer. Jesus himself doing this. But we need to understand also the importance of corporate prayer. And I believe that most of these, that, that both of these, I'm sorry, that both of these are very important in our life. It's, it's this, again, this concept of this and that. And I'm, I'm coming to a close. Sister Audrey, if you'll come help me. We've got to understand the importance of group prayer. Matthew 18 and 19 through 20 says, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. I, m most of the time, the scripture, the last part of the scripture is, is quoted for church services. And we talk about it for times during holidays, whatever, and there's you know, just a handful of people are, well, we're two or three are gathered in his name. He's there in the midst. And that's true. That's true. That's true. But it says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. That as we find a place of prayer together in unity as a body, 
as a group, whether it's a youth group, it's ladies' prayers, it's men coming together, it's family prayer, whatever it is, as a group, as we come together, a family and a body, that there's power in that, that God hears that, and that whatever we declare here on earth shall be declared in heaven. Whatever we bind here is bound there. Whatever we loose here is loose there. And that where two or three are gathered in unity, where two or three are gathered for one purpose and one mind and one accord, in His name, He is there among them. Jesus gives us example of of private prayer. We, We just talked about this in the mountain in the wilderness. Jesus goes and finds places of private prayer, and we have to have that in our life. But as He is nearing the end of His life, we find Him in the garden And he gathers around him some disciples. And while he goes to his own place to pray, he brought some people with him to watch and pray with him. Because there's power in unity and a group praying together. As they fall asleep, he says, Can you not tarry with me for an hour? Where two or three are gathered in the midst, he is there. Jesus is on his own praying fervently, breaking blood vessels and capillaries. He's he's praying like no one I've ever seen in my life or ever heard of in my life. But it was important for him to go back and check with the disciples and say, can you not pray and watch with me for an hour? It's important that we pray together. In Acts chapter chapter 12, whenever Peter was miraculously rescued by an angel from prison, we find whenever he leaves the prison, he goes to Mary's house, the mother of John Mark, and he finds there a group gathered in prayer for him. And while they are praying, an angel is dispatched to the jail, looses the chains and releases him from the prison. Because there's power in a body coming together and praying in unity. Our personal and private time with God will keep us on the right track. But it's our corporate time of prayer, our group prayer, our family prayer, our, 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 our body of prayer. That as a body, as a church, as a family, for one another, with one another. That's going to be the thing that's going to bring us unity. It's going to keep us together in one mind and one accord, striving for God's purpose and seeing God's perfect will of growth and revival in this end time church. We find on the day of Pentecost, I'm, I'm closing with this, on the day of Pentecost, that there was a group of people, a body, a family, They came together in one mind, in one accord, praying together. And it was this that ushered in the Spirit of God, like a mighty rushing wind, like like the world literally in all of time has never seen before. The Spirit of God came in and resulted in the outpouring of the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you'll stand with me tonight. This is why... This is why it's so important that we pray. That we find our personal time of prayer. 
that we, I'm not saying you, that we find our personal time of prayer, but also that every time that there's an opportunity here at the house of God, that every time there's an opportunity that we can come together as a body, as a group, as a family, to pray that we take advantage of that opportunity. Youth, if there's a youth prayer event, Zane, you listening to me? If there's a youth prayer event, sorry, the youth pastor came out of me. Apologize about that. If there's a youth prayer event, you need to be here. We need to take priority in making sure that we are here and that we are praying together for the purpose and the calling of what God has intended for His church, for His people in this end time. When ladies' prayer is going on, we need to make sure that it's a priority that we're here for that. When we have a men's prayer event, Randall, you listening? Yes, sir. When there's a men's prayer event, we need to make sure that we make it a priority to come and to stand in the gap for our families as the leaders of the home, for our church, for our community, for those around us, that we are together, bound together in unity and prayer. We pray as a ministry team before service but then we dim the lights just before church starts, about 30 minutes before, and we have pre-service prayer. We create an atmosphere. There's, there's music playing. The lights are dim for pre-service prayer in the sanctuary. And as a body, we should take advantage of this opportunity to bind together in unity, to invite the presence of God, to create an atmosphere where the miraculous can happen, where chains can be loose like Peter was in that prison where the Holy Ghost can be poured out like it was on the day of Pentecost. When a group comes together and prays, God takes notice and begins to do some miraculous things. And when we call for family prayer at the church, that should be the time, that should be the moment where we're taking attendance because we may have our greatest attendance ever whenever we can come together as a family, as a church, as a group, as a body and pray together for the move of God for the change to be loosed in this city that's binding up people each and every day that's causing drug overdoses and suicides that's causing heartache and divorce broken families we can bind together as a body as a church, as a family and rebuke those things cast them out pray a hedge around this city around our church, around our homes we have to get an understanding of the necessity of the power of prayer in our life. One that goes beyond just our mental capacity of understanding that there's power, but one that gets into our DNA and becomes part of who we are as a church, as a body of believers. Not just by word, but by action. That there is always a place Jesus said, my house shall be called a place of prayer. What I want us to do tonight here in the close is I want us to pray that God would help us to water the seed of faith.
that is all over this house, all over this congregation, all in our families that has filled this place and to cause the growth and revival of the Holy Ghost outpouring and miracles like we have never seen. I want us to pray just where we are that God would help us each and every day to learn how and to have a desire to get up and to start our day with prayer. That it would be the steering wheel that guides us, that leads us down the paths of righteousness, that shows us the way to go and and where God would have us to be. So that whenever the tire blows, that he can be the spare tire as well. Amen. That he would help us to understand the importance of coming together as a body in unity in prayer. Can we pray that together all across this place? Lord.